So please grab a Bible, and I'm sorry, I didn't bring a box of Bibles down. I meant to do that. But hopefully you have a Bible or you can turn one on from your pocket. Open up to Luke 11. We're going to look at this passage today and also next week. Next week we're going to go through it. Anybody need an extra Bible? Don't be shy, folks. It won't hurt you. Well, it might a little bit, but it'll be a good kind of hurt. Luke 11, we're going to go through this in detail next week. This week I want to go through it from a Father's Day point of view. And I'm going to start off just by reading this. Luke 11, we're going to talk about verses 1 through 13. You all know this passage, I think. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be to thy name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we ourselves forgive anyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And the reason that doesn't look like the normal Lord's Prayer you're used to is because the one that we recite combines the version in Matthew and Luke and all together to get kind of a bigger version. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Um, Verse 5, and he said to them, so this is, by the way, verses 1 through 13 is the answer. The disciples say, teach us to pray, and the answer is all these verses, 1 through 13. It's not just the Lord's Prayer. This is like a three-part sermon, right? He starts out with an example of how to pray, not what to pray. He's not saying this is what you pray every time you pray. He's saying this is how. We'll talk about that a little more next week, about what that means. Um, And then he gives a nice little parable, and then he gives a good Bible verse, and then he gives a good analogy. So verse 5, this starts the parable. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up and get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is one of my favorite passages on prayer. And I want to look at the fact that Jesus is connecting prayer to the fatherhood of God. All through this passage, he's connecting prayer to the fact that God is our father. That relationship, that aspect. He says, teach us how to, teach us how to pray. It starts out, our father. So why? Why are we praying to the father? Is it bad to pray to Jesus or the Holy Spirit? No, we see that in the New Testament. But usually we do see people praying to the Father. And in this case, Jesus wants us to do that specifically, especially when we're asking for things. 
He wants us to pray to the Father. I'm not saying, don't get dogmatic about this, okay? I'm not saying we can't pray to Jesus when we ask for things. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying Jesus is trying to make a point here by saying that when we ask for things, ask your Father. Now, why? Why is he making a big deal about that? Because the fatherhood of God and that relationship that we have with him is what he wants us to think about when we pray. We're not, when we pray, when we ask God for things, things that we need, things that we want, whatever it is, when we are asking God, we're not asking our boss. We're not asking our general. God is sometimes those things. But that's not who we're asking when we ask for stuff. We're not asking our friend or our brother. We're not asking a far-off deity whom we need to appease somehow. Jesus is saying when we pray, when we ask God for things, we have to ask and understand in our brain that we are coming before our Father, our loving, good, gracious, abundantly blessing, heavenly Father. That's who we come to in prayer. And many of us already understand this, but if we haven't had this revelation yet, this is actually a game changer when it comes to prayer. Understanding that when we pray, we are approaching our loving Father. Not somebody we have to convince or make some sort of legal case to. These are all the reasons why you should give me this. He's your loving Father. He already wants to give you stuff. Because he's a dad. Those of us who are dads, it's fun to give gifts to your kids. It's fun to watch them be happy and to enjoy those things. Right? That is wonderful. And as kids, we all are kids, it's fun to receive gifts, right? We like to do that. If you go to ask your boss for something, or if you go to ask some senator or king for something, you would have a different mindset when you requested something of them or asked them. You would expect a different result than if you went to your dad, right? And asked them for something. And I know we didn't all have perfect dads. And Jesus is saying, our father is perfect. Okay, this is our Heavenly Father who is perfect and loving and gracious. And that is who we're coming to when we pray. That is who we're asking things from. And this is a, it's a big deal. We pray our Father. We're coming to our Dad who is gracious and generous and wants to give us stuff. He's not reluctant to give us. God the Father is not reluctant to answer our prayers. Quite the opposite. He desperately wants to give us what we want. Let's look at um, verses, starting in verse 5. Now, this is really interesting. So this is a story of the reluctant friend, right? And Jesus is putting God the Father in this very unflattering role of this reluctant friend who doesn't want to give their kid something. Now, Nate, isn't that exactly the opposite of what you just said? Yes, it is. And Jesus is trying to make a point here that this is not how God is, but this is how we see God sometimes. So by the way, God has really good self-esteem. He's willing to put himself in, cast himself in the role of a guy who's kind of a jerk. And God's okay with that. He's really confident. He's really secure in who he is. He does this a number of times throughout the scriptures. He casts himself as an unjust judge once in a parable. There's a number of different times God does that. He can handle it. He's not bothered because he knows who he is. But what he's saying here, what Jesus is saying is, this is sometimes how we see God. Because when we ask God for something and we don't get it, and maybe we're a little bit persistent, maybe we ask again and again and again, and we still don't get it, what do we think? Just naturally, well, God must not want to give it to me. 
or he's reluctant to give it to me. And maybe we even get to the point where we think he's probably not even hearing me. Maybe he doesn't even care. And anyone who claims they've never thought that in their life is lying. Or you're a brand new Christian and you just haven't gotten there yet. Because we've all felt that way. We've all thought that. And Jesus knows us super well. He invented psychology because he invented the brain. He knows human beings really, really well. And so Jesus is saying, I know how you're seeing God and it's wrong. The way you see God is wrong. God is our father. The way you're seeing him is as this reluctant kind of jerky friend who's just like, I'm too busy. I got other stuff going on. No, I'm not going to help you out. And so he, set, he tells this story as if to say, okay, because this is he's talking about prayer in this passage, right? And his point is that we need to be persistent in prayer. And so Jesus is saying, essentially, even if you're right, even if you were right and God was reluctant like this guy, even then he still will give you what you're asking for. Because even some reluctant friend who doesn't want to get out of bed because his kids are there and blah, 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 if you pester them enough, they will eventually give you what you're asking for. Even a jerk will do that because they'll get so annoyed, they'll just be like, shut up, here. Jesus is saying, so even if you were right, which you're not, about how God is, even if that were true, persistence would still be the answer. Does that make sense? Now, God isn't like that, and the rest of this passage, he talks about how that's not who God is, by the way. But even if you were, persistence would still be how you get what you need. You ask, and you keep on asking. You seek and you keep on seeking. You knock and you keep on knocking. When it, those, those verbs there, ask, seek, and knock, you've probably heard this before in other sermons, but they're in the aorist tense in Greek, which is a progressive form of the verb. So it means ask and keep on asking, like perpetually. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask and it will be given to you. Not ask and you'll be ignored. Okay, ask and it'll be given. This whole thing is about keep praying, be persistent, seek after the things of God. Now, why does God make us do this? I don't know. I mean, I sort of know a little bit. <laughs> like, there are, there are reasons sometimes God wants to do it. He wants to prove our faith. He wants to test us. He wants to stretch us a little bit. He wants to keep us from being spoiled. All of us who are parents understand that you can't actually give your kids everything they want because they'll end up spoiled. But if there's something they really want and really pursue and keep asking for it, it's like, okay, they really want this. And so, yeah, let's, let's figure out a way to make this happen. Okay? So we're the same way. But God is perfect, and so he's way better at it than we are. Um, so ask, and it will be given to you. And then he says, that's the Bible verse, by the way, because everybody knows that Bible verse. But they don't often know the context that it's coming in. Um, and then he says, what father among you, again, going back to the fatherhood of God in, in response to prayer. Like this is really important. Understanding that God is our father and what that means in the context of prayer makes all the difference. What father among you, if his sons ask for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? That's a rhetorical device. He's asking a question that he's not going to get an answer for because the answer is obviously nobody would do that because that's freaking insane. Can I have a fish? Sure. <coughs> Here's a poisonous snake. Have fun with that. Like, that's like Lex Luthor level evil. I mean, that's, that's really, really, like, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, and, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Another crazy one. The Mark one says, um, or if he asks for a loaf of bread, we'll give him a stone. Okay? No, we're not going to do this kind of stuff. 
Um, so how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, which you do, you're not going to be a crazy person who's evil or whatever. If you know how to give good gifts to your kids, despite the imperfect fathers that you are, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is perfect, give good gifts to his kids? He wants to give good gifts. He doesn't want to trick us. He doesn't want to give us nasty stuff. And the, the, um, the kind of underlying theme there, actually, that's a little hint towards um, asking for the Holy Spirit and getting something demonic instead. And this is something that a lot of people are concerned of if they're not having experience of baptism of the Holy Spirit or whatever yet. They're worried that if they ask for the whole, more of the Holy Spirit, they ask for prophecy or whatever, that they might get something yucky, might get something bad, might get something demonic. And Jesus is saying that idea is literally insane. Serpents and scorpions are both um, metaphors for demonic stuff throughout the Bible, right? Serpents and scorpions. And so he's saying if you ask for something good, even you evil folks wouldn't give a demon to someone who asks for the Holy Spirit. If you were in charge, even you wouldn't do that. I'm God. Of course I'm not going to do that. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit, period, end of story. Everybody with me? And that's, that's a concern people have. I've talked to a lot of people who have that concern. I don't know. You know, there, there are, like, other religions that do stuff that looks miraculous, and that's evil. Or I was raised to, to think that tongues was demonic or, or whatever it is, so they're really worried about this stuff. And I always take them to this passage. It's like, that's not possible. Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask. He loves you. He's your father. Of course he's going to do that. And the very next passage is about casting out demons. Um, and so it's important for us to understand that God is our father. He wants to give us good things. We don't have to convince him. He wants to. Like he actually, actually does. He is a father who loves us. He is good. He wants to give us what we ask for. It's just that sometimes he requires persistence in order to do that. He needs us to keep asking and keep asking and keep fighting. And that's just the way things are in the spirit. We partner with God. We ask him for things. He doesn't just dump a bunch of stuff on us. Now, in truth, from a theological point of, thing, point of view, he actually already has given us everything. It's like through the cross, he gave us everything there is to give us. It's like in a bank account in heaven. And we make withdrawals from that account. He's already given us 100% of his love. So when we ask him for more of his love, we're not saying, God, give us something you've never given. He, we're saying, God, help us to experience something more than we've experienced before. All the love has already been given. All the sacrifice has been paid. All our sins have been taken care of. We still repent of our sins in order to, to, to finish what is happening in our own heart. But Jesus actually completed the work on the cross. It can get theologically difficult to understand this, okay? But everything, every gift, every ounce of love, every supernatural gift, everything that God has ever wanted to give you, will give you, or could give you has already been given. And it's in your heavenly bank account is how I look at it. And we then position ourselves to receive from that as best we can. And faith is one of the ways we do that. And persistence in prayer is one of the other major ways that we do that. It's like, in order for you to hear me through this microphone, I have to position myself near this microphone. The microphone is still working right now. The microphone's always working always there. But unless I put myself in the right place to be heard by the mic, you're not going to hear it through the mic, through the speakers. 
okay? And so what God has given us is always here. It's always available to us. We have to put ourselves in the right position in order to receive. Does that make a little more sense, maybe? And so humility is one of those key factors. Um, Faith, believing God is going to do it because it says it in his word, and even if we see absolutely none of that, it's going to happen anyway, darn it, because God said so. And being persistent in prayer and keep asking and asking and asking, no matter what, no matter what, we keep asking. And we have a father who wants to give, and he loves us. And he's just like, oh, please, please just keep asking. Please don't stop. Don't give up. I know, I know it seems weird. I know it's hard because I haven't given it to you yet, but you're kind of a little spoiled baby sometimes because we all are, right? I've said this before, but the Bible always refers to us as kids, right? And he doesn't mean adult children, okay? He's not talking about David. He's not talking about adult children. He's talking about <laughs> littler ones, which are sometimes very irrational, very silly, and have very little comprehension of what actually is happening in the world. Think about a baby who has a diaper rash. People hate pain, right? All people hate pain. A baby who has a really bad diaper rash, you need to put the desitin or whatever it is on their bottom or else it's gonna get worse, but it might hurt. Sometimes it hurts if the diaper rash is really bad. And so you're putting the medicine on them, but all they experience is pain. You are causing me pain. That is bad. That is evil. Stop it. They're a silly baby who doesn't understand that that medicine, although it causes pain now, is going to heal them. It's going to make them better later. Okay? But many of us never get past the baby phase when it comes to how we relate to God in our life. I'm not trying to condemn anybody here. Don't feel condemnation. We all grow up. Okay? It's a process. But many of us never get past that. And so anytime we experience pain, we're like, this is bad. This is evil. You're mean, God. You're making me go through this pain. And it's like, well, you don't know a lot. <laughs> Sometimes we know almost nothing. That was the whole message to Job, by the way. Job is like, is it my fault? Is it your fault? Whose fault is it? And God says, shut up. You're dumb. You know nothing. I am God. You either follow me or you don't. Which one? choose. It wasn't his most tender moment. <laughs> but it was a very important point. God's like, were you there when I tamed the Leviathan? Were you there when I set the universe into being? Were you there when I hung the stars in the sky? Do you know anything, Job? Literally anything at all? No. Clearly, I know nothing about how the universe works. Sorry, you're awesome. I'm going to worship you anyway, even though I don't understand, even though I don't see. And that's why Job is a hero of the faith. Job won. In case that wasn't clear by the end of the book of Job, he's in the list with Abraham and Moses and Daniel and Elijah in, in, in Hebrews. He's in the list because he chose to follow God even when he didn't see it, even when he didn't get it, even when what was going on in his life was genuinely horrible. He still obeyed. He still followed. And that's what we need to do. We need to try to not be the baby with the diaper rash every time we experience pain. Sometimes God needs us to go through that pain, like I was talking about with David and Goliath earlier. David needed to go through that with Goliath. God didn't send Goliath, but at the same time, Goliath was kind of a gift to David in that sense. Because God will always work together things for good for those who, are, who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so that's the, that's the amazingness of God is it doesn't matter. Did God do it? Did the devil do it? Is it just circumstance? Our house was destroyed by hail last Sunday. Okay, 40 days after we bought the house. 40 days later, destroyed by hail. 
That was not God. It was not the devil. It was a natural phenomenon. Things happen in life. This world is a little broken still. Okay? So there's, there's nobody to blame. Stuff just happens. But God is going to use that, we believe very, very severely, that God is going to use this to bless us. Despite the fact that the circumstance wasn't God-ordained, he's still going to use it to bless us. We're going to get a new roof and other stuff, and, and it'll cost some money, but it's all God's money, so who cares? And he knows what he's doing with it, right? And we firmly believe that we are going to be better off after this than we, were, than we were before, because that's who God is. That's who he is, and that's what he does when we put our faith in him. Even when we don't understand why this had happened. 40 days, we just moved into the house. Ah, we haven't even unpacked all our stuff yet. I mean, come on. We could... It would be licensed to be a little upset and discouraged, I feel like. And I'm not going to lie to you. There was temptation <laughs> to get a little bummed out about our nice house that we just got. That got. I, mean, I should have brought pictures. If we had a TV, I could put them up from my phone. But uh, it, it's pretty toasted. Um, the deck is ruined even. That's where we pretty much live is on our deck. And it wobbles like this if you stand on it. It's like horrible because the wind tried to like send it to Coon Rapids. Um, so that was a bad thing that happened to us. I'm not saying it was a wonderful thing. It was a super annoying thing. But God is going to use that for good. So in a way, this is going to be a gift to us. And that is speaking in faith, right? And we can do that. We have the right to do that. And when we go to our Father and ask things of him, we can do that expecting him to want to give it to us because he really does love us. We're not asking the king. He is the king. Sometimes we relate to him as the king. Sometimes we relate to God as our boss. Sometimes we relate to God as our brother and our friend. The Bible says he is all of those things to us all the time. We just relate to him in different ways at different times. I know that's confusing, but it's true. And so sometimes I will pray, God, how are you trying to relate to me right now? Who are you trying to be for me right now? And when it comes to prayer, especially requesting things of God, Jesus says the way he wants to be for you when you are asking him of things is he wants to be your father. So think of him as your father. Humility is good when it comes to prayer, but you don't have to prostrate yourself. I am a worm. I am nothing. That's not what he's looking for. That didn't work for the prodigal son. The prodigal son started that to the father. The father said, shut up, shut up. Here's the ring. Here's the robe. Kill the fatted calf. Put on the sandals. We're having a party. Okay? Because he's his dad. He's his father. That's who God is for us. When we come to him and ask him for things, we need to think about that in our head. The word repent in Greek literally means to change your mind. It means to turn, but literally it means to turn your brain, to change the way you think from here to here. And so we don't come before a God who is reluctant to give. Well, We'll see. Make your case. Maybe I'll give it to you. Maybe I won't. Let's see how eloquent you are, how many scriptures you can quote. No. We come, Anne comes before the Lord and he says, hey, sweetie, how you doing? What are we going to talk about? What do you need? What do you want? Okay. That is God towards us in prayer. And Jesus says this over and over again. He's our father. He's our father. He's our father. How much more will the father give good gifts to his kids if we know how to do that and of course the greatest gift of all is the holy spirit more of god himself and that's what we're going to talk about more next week um, anybody have any questions thoughts disagreements examples yeah
Exactly. Exactly. That's that's the, the the natural question to follow from this message, this passage is, well, what about when we don't get the answer? You know, what about that? Um, and Jesus' answer is keep asking. But he also previously in the passage said that we need to pray, thy will be done. And so we do constantly need to be laying down what we're asking and saying, but your will be done, Lord, because we can be wrong. Sometimes we're convinced something is God's will, but we could be wrong, right? We're imperfect. Now, there's some things that we know are God's will because they're right in the word, and those are awesome. Um, but sometimes we don't know for sure. And is there a reason God isn't answering us? And one of them could be what I was talking about before, like a Goliath comes or a trial comes or something, and we're like, S deliver me from this. It's horrible. It's scary. It's big. God might say, yeah, but it's going to be really awesome if you kill this thing. So I, it would be better for you if you stuck it out, and I will help you. I will be with you. I'll give you the weapon. I'll help you to do it, and then it's going to be fantastic. You'll see. Okay? Sometimes we respond to answered prayers with, God, please remove this from me. Because we ask God for greater spiritual authority. We ask God for blessings. We ask God for wisdom. We ask God for all these things. And he's like, great, I will do that. The way to do that in this situation is to go through this, which involves some of that pain or diaper rash. And then that happens. We go, oh, how horrible. Take it away. Take it away. I hate it. 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 Yeah. I do that. We all do that. Okay. And God might be saying, yeah, but that's the answer to the prayer you wanted. The answer to the prayer is this difficulty with this coworker who just can't listen to you and doesn't understand and doesn't see what... And he's like, that is the gift. That it might be the answer to the prayer, or at least the thing that I'm going to use to answer the prayer you're asking. So if you stick it out and walk through this with me, I'll get you through on the other side. Sometimes that is the answer to the prayer. It's not the answer we're looking for, though. And so we still often end up seeing God as being reluctant, that reluctant friend. He's not going to give us what we want for whatever reason. Um, and Jesus is saying that's not who God is. Sometimes he might answer the prayer a little bit differently than we wanted because he sees everything. We see almost nothing, right? Um, but we can still trust him and have faith and walk that out. And sometimes we, we can ask for wisdom. Lord, is this what I should be praying? Especially when it's been a long time, you know? Should I even be praying this anymore? It's, it's been 40 years, you know? I've been praying to be healed. My parents have been praying for me to be healed. I'm, I'm turning 40 later this year. That's a long time to pray for something. But the Bible says, he is our healer. I have healed all your diseases. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's all throughout the Bible. I believe God wants healing for all of us. There are reasons that we don't see that happen as much as we should. And I don't understand all those reasons because I'm not that much smarter than Job was. And so I'm just going to do what Jesus said, which is keep praying. Keep asking. So it, it can be tough. <laughs> when we don't know exactly what's going on. And of course, sometimes we might be asking for something that's actually not good for us. Lord, I want this girl to marry me, have her fall in love with me. Well, there's not, that's not an evil prayer, okay? I may have prayed that before. 
in my life. The first time I prayed it, God said no. Because he had somebody better. And I'm glad God didn't answer that prayer. Right? So that's part of the thy will be done. That's part of the letting God be the smart one, the father, and letting us be the kid, and being okay with that dynamic. We'd all like to be in charge. Have you ever seen was it Bruce Almighty? How quickly he nearly ruined just one city. Um, we would do a terrible job at being God. But we can do a great job at being kids. If we own that, that we are his kid. And that means we're loved. We're accepted. We screw up. We fall on our face. We occasionally scratch our sister. But he forgives us. He teaches us. He helps us to walk and to do it better. Anybody else have any questions, thoughts? Yes. I think that most of us, we all start out as babies, spiritually. I would say, this is going to sound negative, but I would say most Christians never get out of the little kid phase. Those of us who are maturing, and that's a real thing, Paul talks about it all the time, we should be maturing. That means we're becoming older kids. And maybe you've met a Christian or you yourself have gone through that angsty teenage phase. <laughs> in your Christian walk. I've kind of been there before. So maybe I'm an older kid now. Maybe you're an older kid now. And that's good. That's called maturity. Okay? But um, even older kids can have moments of being five years old. I can't come to work today. Five years old. I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And the, so there is, there is a sense in which when it comes to our relationship, even if we might be mature, more mature in the faith and be older, there's a sense in which we are always little kids in our relationship with God. You, in order to, it, you must be, have faith like this little child in order to enter the kingdom of God. And so there is something childlike that I think God wants from us no matter how old we are, no matter how old we are, how mature we are, I think God, Daddy God wants us to climb up in his lap once in a while. Yes. That's actually a super good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. 
Right, because because he's teaching us, he's training us. That's part of what a father does. Um, and so I definitely think that's true. And Paul says that a lot. Hey, you're still drinking milk. You should be chewing solid food right now. Like, he's not saying God doesn't love you as much anymore, but he's saying don't just sit around and expect God to do stuff for you. You need to learn how to eat food. You need to learn how to walk. You need to learn how to do stuff. So let's go. Let's do it. That's part of what being a dad is. Andrew was very reluctant to walk. So we tried to encourage him, as many parents do, especially parents of their firstborn. He's not what the book says. Oh, no. He's going to explode. Um, there's something weird because first-time parents are crazy. Um, so we encourage him to walk. We help him to stand. We're super encouraging. We clap. We smile. We do all that kind of stuff to encourage him to do that. And I think God does that with us, too, because he wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. But there's, and so that's true for sure. But there is something, I think, in that relational aspect of us with God that is more little kid with daddy. Like even Jesus kept calling him Abba, which is, you know, Abba. That's Hebrew for dada, you know. Jesus called him that even on the cross. Jesus was as mature as you get. And yet, the way he related to his father in that way Okay, remember, there's a lot of different relationships we have with God kind of all at the same time, ways that we relate to him. But there is that way we relate to him as our daddy, that sometimes we just need to crawl up on his lap and we need him to kiss our knee because we fell and it hurt. And that's okay. That's not bad. Even if you're supposed to be mature, to do that is not, is not bad. That doesn't mean you're weak or too immature, right? Yeah. I, th- you're explain- I think you're explaining it really well. Right. It's both. Yes. Totally. Mm-hmm. Agree, and I think it. I think it's that way. I think it's both and because we have those different relationships with God all having simultaneously, and so yes, we're maturing and we're warrior and we're battling and we're being a father or a mother to other people, other Christians, discipling people. But at the same time, we're always in that secret place. We're always there with God, that little kid. And Jesus, when he said. Let the little kids come and don't hinder them. I tell you the truth, unless you have faith like these little kids, you can't enter the kingdom of God. He's talking to the disciples there. 
that's who he's talking to. So there's both and. We grow. The disciples, the disciples had matured. They were discipling other people. But at the same time, you still have to have that faith, that relationship with God that is more the kid and the dad. And there's a lot of things going on at the same time. I think there are seasons where he maybe emphasizes one over the other. Some people disagree. Steve. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, and I think that what it is is it's both at the same time. And so we do mature. We do talk differently and walk differently than we did when we were a baby Christian. That's good. That's supposed to happen. So that's like our walk with God, if you want to put it that way, our spiritual life, our, 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 our maturity. But in our relationship with God, just how we relate with him, not how we live or how we relate to other people. You know, we don't act immature towards other Christians or, or go sin whenever we want or anything like that. Like, that's our Christian life. But in our relationship with God, part of that relationship with God is still going to be the little kid with the dad. Not all of it. Some of our personal relationship with God is, okay, Lord, I mean, I've been around for a while, and I need help with this. I need help with that. I understand this. I don't understand that. So that happens too. But I think that if we don't, have that aspect of our personal private relationship with God, if we don't have that aspect of little kid with God, I just think we're missing out because I think God wants that from us. And I I think we as parents even want that to a degree. How many of us, when our kids got a little too big to come and snuggle, were simultaneously proud and a little sad? And then you get to be grandparents, which is wonderful. Okay, so God's not saying I want you to stop maturing and revert to a kid because we want our kids to grow up. And it's totally natural for them to not really want to snuggle anymore when they get to a certain age, right? Fortunately, even my boy is very snuggly, so I'm happy for that. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I think that's tougher when we only have one and not the other, whichever one it is. Um, and I think that no matter what our situation was growing up and what kind of an example we had, God wants to give us everything he has for us at any given time. And so for those of us who didn't experience that intimacy aspect of it from our dad, God still wants us to have that. And I think he does want us to experience that, even if we never experienced it really before. And, and I know so many people who, once God gave, allowed that to open up for them, it just 
revolutionized their lives in a lot of different ways. And so I, I, I really think God has both for, for all of us. Yeah. And I've, I mean, there's a book by a guy named Brennan Manning. It's called Abba's Child. And it's, it's just a fantastic book. He had, he had that kind of experience where he was much older. I, I want to say 60, but I don't remember. Um, when he finally had that revelation of the fatherhood of God and the fact that he is a loved little kid. And it just it blew him up. I mean, it, it changed his life. He was a great Christian, an author, all this kind of stuff, counselor. But, but once he, and it's a supernatural thing. He had the revelation. He didn't just, all right, God, in my quiet time, now I'm going to be a baby. What? Like, that's weird. You know, it's a supernatural thing. It's a revelation in how we relate to the Lord. Um, and once he got that, it just, it changed his whole life. Um, Abba's Child. Abba's Child is the name of the book. Brennan Manning is the author. Super, yes. And I think it was partially through that struggle that brought him to the understanding. Yeah. Um, we're at that time, so I'm going to pray and... People can stay and talk more if they want to. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this Father's Day. We thank you that you are our Father. And Lord, I believe you have a lot of things for us in your relationship with us that we aren't currently experiencing or we've only touched on. Sometimes we get too satisfied when we get something good and we don't keep pursuing you. So Lord, I pray that you would... I pray that you would give each of us here a hunger for more of you, that we would want to pursue you more and more, that whatever we've experienced in our relationship with you, that we would want more from you, want more with you, want to experience and pursue you more and more and more, and to go deeper and deeper, to grow and become more and more, more mature, to become parents and grandparents and great-grandparents in the spirit, and that we would also be able to have faith like little kids in the spirit. And I pray that you would help us to grow in this. And for those of us who haven't or don't have a hunger, I confess that sometimes I get a little too complacent. I've experienced wonderful things from God, and sometimes it's easy to just rest in that. But I think, and I think that's okay maybe for a little while, but God says, okay, it's time for more. It's time to go deeper. It's time to keep pursuing me. Don't get lazy. This might be just a prophetic word to me. Um, but maybe it's to some other people here too. Don't get lazy. Keep pursuing me. I have more. I have more. I have so much more for you. So Father, we thank you for how awesome you are, and we thank you that you're our dad. Show us, Lord. Reveal to us through your word, directly to our heart, through memories, through understanding, through other people. Reveal to us what it means that you're our father. All the different things that that means to us. Show us more and more in Jesus' name. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.